Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 19, and again, some much more tasty fixtures than we saw in Match Week 17. Match Week 18 delivered a little bit. Match Week 19, I think we were pretty sure we were going to get some juice out of yeah. certainly with Arsenal, Newcastle, two top three teams, and City, um, Chelsea. Even though Chelsea. It's not mid table now. Yeah, Chelsea's mm, relegation fodder at this point. Yeah, uh, but um, this is actually going to be our last episode before I go on my study abroad adventure to Copenhagen, which is going to be a nice little logistical challenge for me and Ethan to uh, be able to record these things with a six-hour time difference. But yeah, I'm I'll be studying Copenhagen. I'm very very excited. Um, but it's going to be, you know, it, it, we're going back on the road. You know, TMW going back yeah. on the road. Um, we're used to the long distance by now. <laughs> yeah, well, the last, what, three episodes have been recorded back in the studio. And then, you know, we're going back on the road. Such is the life of a college student, I guess. Yeah. But anyways, yes, this will be the last episode of TMW that will be filmed in the New Jersey studio until championship season uh, and beginning of May. So wow. next time I see you, Arsenal will be getting cards of honor. How, how can you believe that? Uh, but no, it should be a very exciting season. The rest of the season, hard to believe that we're going to be separated for that long. But the show must go on, as they say. Uh, without any further ado, let's get into some Match Week 19 content, starting off with a Worst Team Wins update, if this is your first two-man two wall podcast. The Worst Team Wins competition is a little competition between me and Ethan. Before the season, we drafted... Uh, teams from FPL prices. If you're unfamiliar with FPL, each player has a price based on how many fantasy points they accumulate throughout throughout the course of the year. Mo Salah is much higher than, say, you know, Declan Rice, who doesn't get many goals and assists. Um, and we had to fill 80 million pounds worth of players that we thought were going to get the least amount of points. Kind of like a reverse fantasy type deal. We're betting on players to bust rather than boom. So far, Ethan is whooping my ass. He, his team has gotten a lot of injuries. My team has Holland because I was a little overconfident about that. Um, how about you give us an update? Yeah, I haven't whooping your ass this season, but you got a rare, a rare win this week. I did. Uh, your team, Jay-Z stacked for a top bins, had 26 points, and my team, Garnacho Cheese, had 31 points. So, nice little five-point boost for you this week it's better than nothing rome wasn't built in a day yeah, exactly a jersey uh, i believe it was gandhi that said a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and it was Maybe. probably wasn't gandhi <laughs> but it sounds like something gandhi might say uh yeah certainly a, a step towards greatness i would yeah. say your sort of your players are starting to come back a little bit i know luis diaz is is training now i think See? i i hope so <laughs> i thought i saw something about I that i got rid of luis diaz from my team did you no, I think you still got him. No? Well, it was your choice whether to take him out. Uh, I whatever. think you did. Anyway, um, you're getting a bit more injury help now uh, with James Madison being out. He true. was accumulating a lot of points for you before yes, the World Cup yes, break. So, finally, uh, turn of fortunes, perhaps. But the overall season total, my team has 540 points and Braden's team is 717. Long way to go. Uh, yeah, like, we're all not even halfway through the season yet. We got plenty. Play. Actually, we're almost exactly halfway through the season yeah. with this match week. I don't think a, a full 19 match weeks of games have been played. Yeah. Because they've had some. Uh, we haven't even made up all the Queens games yet. But, you know, technically halfway through the season with this match week. Let's get into match week 19 content, starting with 
arguably the marquee matchup, I would say, of yeah. the week. Uh, Arsenal nil, Newcastle nil. Now, this game, you know, when two very, very talented sides, I'm not going to call Newcastle a big six team yet, but two, you know, top of the table teams meet and it's nil, nil. Often it's an exciting nil, nil. And I think this one kind of went along with that standard. Uh, Newcastle kind of, I hadn't, to be fair to Newcastle, I hadn't seen a full 90 minutes of Newcastle soccer. I'd seen 70, 80 minutes of Newcastle. I hadn't seen like, Full beginning game, mid game, end game tactics yeah. from Eddie Howe until this game, and I was very impressed with just the tactical rigid rigidity. I yeah. would say of this team, like they had a plan. The art clearly Arsenal gets a lot of offense through their wingers, Saka and Martinelli, and Newcastle had not only the wingbacks on them, but every time they got the ball to Martinelli 1v1 or Saka 1v1. Either the left the wings sprinted down or it was Joe Linton or Gamares that came down or Longstaff from the midfield. Saka and Martinelli never had a clean 1v1 unless it was like a counterattack, yeah. which is a testament to how disciplined this Newcastle team is. And that also contributes to the fact that this these Newcastle performances, this Newcastle season so far is not a fluke. No, absolutely not. And yeah, like you said, Martinelli and Saka were almost completely shut down and it was the same for the entire Arsenal attack. And you could tell just by the atmosphere in the ground and yeah. on the field that Arsenal were being frustrated, that they yeah, hadn't yeah. faced an opponent like Newcastle. And it's not like they haven't dropped points before this season, though it has been rare. But never before have they... I mean, that, this is the first time they've failed to score in a game yep. this season. Yeah. And you could tell that they weren't really sure what to do and where to go because every, everything they tried, Newcastle were right on them. Yeah. So they were starting to get frustrated. They had a couple of silly yellow cards. The game was getting chippy. And it's not a territory yeah. Arsenal has usually found themselves in this season. But they just haven't played an opponent as defensively stubborn as Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle completely dominant in the air. We couldn't even, you know, in these types of games where you don't have anything going from open play yeah. offensively, you hope to get something from a set piece. Yeah. Yeah. And even that Newcastle are so good in the air. Yeah. And that that's how they produced their one like real chance. I think it was like a flick on from Longstaff to the yeah. back post that Joe Linton just didn't quite react to should've quick scored, honestly. Quick enough. Yeah. Probably should have scored. But there weren't any massive chances for Arsenal. There were chances, but they were difficult to take. And Arsenal, they didn't play poorly, but they had to be perfect to beat Newcastle, and they just weren't perfect. Yeah. Uh, it did seem like that. Like, the Arsenal attacks, you know, when they had Newcastle pinned in, that, like, their passes were incisive, they were clean. It was a wet day, too. For yeah. most, I mean, it's always a wet day in London, but it was a wet day. Like, you weren't getting the forgiveness from the pitch that, you know, if you take a bad touch, it's going to get away from you. That helped Newcastle a little bit. But you could tell that they were still being the precise arsenal attacks that they've had all season. It just, they were so well-disciplined in defense and their work rate was incredible. I mean, Newcastle players were cramping up around the 70th minute. Like, yeah. they were going, dropping like flies. And, like, rightly so. Willock dropped, Jolinton dropped, like... These guys are working so hard during the game. Like, you can't sustain that for 90 minutes. And I think 
that's going to be ultimately the downfall is that they need to be able to possess the ball a little bit to take those defensive minutes off their legs because as well as they played defensively they were on defense for a while in that game and i think you know if that game if it's a cup tie or something and this game goes into extra time i think eventually newcastle get broken down just because of how hard they worked in 90 minutes but in a league game you're trying to get one point it worked exactly to plan for newcastle they didn't give up much they gave up eddie and ketia like decent chance that nick pope made a really good save on i don't think there there are multiple keepers in the Premier League that don't make that save. He's he's a big guy, he got his leg out, it's a nice save. But this went exactly according to plan for Eddie Howe. I've loved Eddie Howe for years, even from the back in the Bournemouth days. I thought he should have got that that his sacking from Bournemouth was a little bit unjust. Uh, when he got hired at Newcastle, like I liked it. I I, I didn't see this type of performance really at Bournemouth. At Bournemouth, they were like a pretty fluid Bournemouth team for for like bottom of the table yeah. uh as as far as they go their attacking play was really i mean like Ryan Frazier, Callum Wilson who's now yeah. uh part of Newcastle both of them yeah, yeah. oh yeah Ryan Frazier. um yeah this he certainly had to look at the lineup look at the squad and develop a tactical scheme that works best yeah and for some managers it doesn't really work like that. They just have their own style of play and they try to pigeonhole their players into their tactical, uh, you know, scheme. And if it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work. They drop in the table and they get fired. Yeah. For Eddie Howe, I have to give him credit. He looked at the line. He looked at the squad. Gamares, really athletic, high work rate. Uh, Joe Linton, he took him from a striker and made him a center mid. Like, I've never seen that before in yeah. professional soccer. And now he's like, you know, like I said, with Martinelli, he like, Double teams Martinelli, double team Saka when he needed to, like cramping up because he's working so hard. Like he's transformed not only the team itself, but the players within the team to fit a system that works extremely well and it's reflecting the table. They sit third. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's much more praise you can give yeah. Eddie Howe for the job he's done in Newcastle. And I honestly think that this could be this can be defined as more like the crowning performances of their season so far, yeah. just because they had to go away to top of the table away Arsenal. Too, yeah. One of the most difficult, arguably the most difficult away trip there is this season. Yeah. Maybe Old Trafford is the other really difficult one, which, by the way, they also got a no-nil draw from. Mm-hmm. So, in a game where Arsenal were, you know, flying four wins yeah, yeah. on the spin, seven points clear at the top of the table, and to have shut them down like that, and like you say, or like I said, just frustrate them that much. That could be, you know, the cherry on the cake so yeah. far for Newcastle this season in terms of their performances. We move on for the sake of time to a game that was awfully defining for for the week for both teams actually. Everton won Brighton four. Um, Brighton after losing four two to Arsenal and looking, you know, not completely dominated in that game they looked like uh, a team with a re- you know an identity certainly yeah. um they go to goodison park to an Everton team that's struggling let's be honest well you know they did have that draw at city yeah, so yeah, they yeah, did yeah. have should have had a, a little bit of momentum. momentum yeah um and they lose four to one it's their i believe one of their biggest losses in years at goodison park 
because you know they they've gotten their ass whooped away from home. But at home, typically, you know they haven't had a great run of results. But typically, they don't get embarrassed. Yeah. Um. Even to the big six teams. And Brighton came in and beat them down. And now, you know, I'm not even sure how Lampard got this far. To be completely honest, but it seems that this. It's around these times, the festive period, where uh, managers typically have a shorter leash because you're not really going to pull the trigger on a manager in March because you you're not you don't give them enough time really. If you wanted, if you're going to pull the trigger on a manager, you want to pull the trigger on them in January, before January, maybe give them the transfer window to bring in some of their guys. Uh, are we going to see Lampard leave in the next couple weeks? At this rate, yes. Yeah. I think, I think Everton won't want to pull the trigger unless they genuinely feel that they are in a relegation battle. Right now, they sit in the relegation zone. They may give Lampard a couple more games to distance Everton from the bottom three. But if he's not able to do that, they may have to go into you know crisis management and just make sure that they're maybe with Lampard they're thinking okay, trust the process. But if you're in a relegation battle, you can't trust the process because you don't get a second chance if you go down. So it depends, honestly, how the owners feel that Lampard will do over the next few weeks and for the rest of the season and whether or not they will have to go into yeah. you know this like, okay, now we just need to stay up and we can take it from there and Lampard isn't the manager to do it for him. This next game is Southampton at home. This is, you know, you lose this game, I think you you shake everybody's hand on the way out the door because I don't know if you're, yeah. I don't know if you're you're gonna be part of the club the next. Oh, party. I I, for, I forgot they play Southampton. This yeah. is never mind. You, you get did, this could be it. You get a win. If you lose this year. You get a win against, uh, and I think he knows this in the back mm-hmm. of his head. I'm sure he does. That you lose if you lose to Southampton that has lost six in a row. Like. You might as well, like I said, shake hands with it with your coaching staff on the way out the door because you're out of there. However, if you get a win against Southampton, with how tight the the bottom four race is, that puts you in. Let me fact check myself. Thirteenth, pending some other results, probably fifteenth. And you prove yourself that yes, this team is performing poorly, but the manager and the players can still get results when they need to. That might keep him in the, in the chair for another month, this win, depending on, obviously, some other results. As long as they don't get, you know, brutalized in other games, I think that could buy him another month. But this Southampton game, it, it, coming at as good a time as any for, I guess, the Everton board, because yeah. it's kind of like a... It's an ultimatum, yeah. almost, in a sense. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I could go on and on about the crisis going on at Everton right now, but I do want to give credit to the victors in this exactly, game, Brighton, yeah, yeah, yeah. because Brighton were, they were phenomenal. There's no other way to say it. That second half, they put pedals in the metal, the three goals in six minutes, and they took advantage of an Everton team that was in this stretch of time reminiscent of Brazil getting just absolutely destroyed 7-1 by Germany, where you could see the momentum's going against them. The fans are against them. They started booing once yeah, the second yeah, goal yeah. went in and then booed more after the third and fourth. And it looked like it could have been seven or eight. Honestly. I mean, yeah, it looked that way during those six minutes because Brighton just 
kept coming with full flow. Sully March on that third goal, just picking up the ball and dancing just across yeah. the edge of the box and calmly sliding it past Pickford. I don't know who was trying to stop him, but he like slipped as he as he tried to come across, and it was just a calamity of errors. The fo- yeah. the fourth goal, I mean, Idrisa guy literally just passing it straight yeah. to Pascal Gross, who's you know chips Pickford you know sublimely, but. Yeah, Brighton looked fantastic this game, and I have to give credit to Deserby because he's had a managerial masterclass with benching Leandro Trossard, which seems, you know, inconceivable. Definitely Brighton's marquee player before the World Cup break. But he came back, he wasn't playing too good, you know, he's playing. And without Alexis McAllister, might I say. And without McAllister and no Welbeck, they had to put Trossard at the nine. Yeah. But yeah, Trossard wasn't playing well. Deservey said that Trossard wasn't giving like 100%, so he benched him. And in came Evan Ferguson. He scored two goals in his first two Premier League games against Arsenal and Everton. And, I mean, the teams looked phenomenal. Today, uh, Brighton beat Millsboro 5-1. Trossard not even in the squad. So, Trossard... Definitely doesn't have any leverage in this situation yeah. because Brighton have looked even better without him. Yeah. And I think it's good management from Deserve because he's said, like, listen, I don't care who you are. If you're not putting in the work and the effort, you know, your place in the squad is a privilege, yeah. not a right. You have to earn it. And I mean, yeah. every single player in the Brighton 11 has earned their spot. Certainly those managerial decisions, disciplinary wise, they look. Like a, you look like a genius when you know it works out, but you look stupid when it works, yeah. that doesn't work out. But it, this team is, you know, I'm not gonna say deep, but they, everyone has a role and everybody can fill that role. And there are guys that come off the bench that fill in perfectly for yeah. those guys, like freaking Mithoma, who's come out of nowhere and he's been one of the most electrifying players in the league in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, there's certainly Trossard adds to this team, but he doesn't necessarily take away from it when he's gone. No, absolutely not. I mean, just look how Matomas filled Trossard's yeah, su- yeah. shoes on the left wing. <clears throat> we move on to our final match that we're going to cover this week. Obviously, that being one of the marquee matchups of the midweek games. Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. Manchester City leaving it a bit late with the Mares goal. But uh, I'm going to say, we're, we'll talk about Chelsea first and then we'll get to yeah. Manchester City. Um. I saw a lot of the Chelsea games in the last three weeks. This one, and this is the best I've seen them look, to be honest, against City. They looked, and I think this tends to happen when a big six team comes to town after, you know, you kind of just drag your way through a couple of games against relegation sides, yeah. Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. It's, you know, as as professional as players like to be, it's often tough to get up for those games. And... When you're off form, as Chelsea is, it's extra tough to get up for those games, especially away from home. And then a big six team comes to town like Manchester City, and often you get up for those games, and they did. They, they looked a lot more lively than they have against, against Nottingham Forest, against Bournemouth. Um, but in the end, they just weren't good enough. That being said, they have just a hospitals full of injuries, yeah. and that didn't get better. That, it, they had a hospital full of injuries before the match, and 20 minutes in, they lost Pulisic and Sterling, Sterling who 
I mean, both their wingers. Now they got yeah. now the now not only not only do they need to sub in two wingers, but they have no options going forward. They Aubameyang came in was ultimately subbed off later in the game because he was so bad. Um, like it, it was unfortunate set of circumstances, and even so, they generated enough chances to at least get a draw in this game. Um, in the end, it was a questionable Kepa goalkeeping mistake that led yeah. to the. I mean, I I I was goalkeeper for a while. The, sometimes it just it looks like one thing and it ends up being another thing. Like I feel for him a little bit, but it looks very silly when you watch it back. Um, for Keppa, but yeah, it it he could have got a finger on it. I don't know if he thought that it was kind of just a cross that was gonna roll to touch and there was nobody really at back post, but you can't really take that chance. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the benefit would have been yeah. of just letting it go, unless he thought if he got his hand on it, he'd parry it into the path of a city player, but. I didn't think there were any like right in front of it. It seemed like it was just Mares, you know, at the yeah. back post. So I'm not entirely sure yeah. what's going on through his head there. Either way, that was the difference maker in the game. Um, City again. They in years past they have in one nil games. It's kind of been like all City, all City, all City. Maybe they could have had two or three, but ended up being one nothing. This was not that necessarily. I thought this this that because Chelsea were so off form that they was going to be that that Holland would certainly have his chances and I believe he only had like really he one had, like, chance, one. um and it was like a half chance where he kind of just spun off the, the center back, yeah. got it on his right, took a good touch, tried to hit it and just missed. Like he didn't really even have a chance. Uh, besides that, which is a credit to Chelsea again. Yeah. Chelsea's defensive unit has been one of the bright spots. I talked about Thiago Silva last week. He's playing really well. Um. But going forward, it's just, it, it looks a little bit, and again, it looked better today, but it still didn't look good enough. And if you ask any Chelsea fan, I think they'll say the exact same thing. It's just not good enough. Havertz is just not good. I, I, and it, it, they, it, they don't have their full compliments, but still it's Havertz, Ziyech. Like these guys should be generating more chances against whoever, Man City, Bournemouth, Forest. Like it just isn't good enough. And I don't think anyone's arguing with the fact that it's just not good enough. I don't know who that's on, whether it's on the morale, whether it's on Potter's tactics. I don't know, but it's just not good enough. No, I mean, and we talk about it every week, just yeah. the fact that Bainey scores. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I think they looked a lot better in the first half. I think Chukameko, who came on for yeah. Pulisic, was actually one of their bright spots. He had yeah. the closest opportunity hitting the post, if not the best opportunity in the game. I know... Uh, Lewis Hall had that one pretty late on where yeah. he got played in behind and just took an abysmal <laughs> shot. But but no, I thought Chukameka was a really nice uh, bright spot, invigorated some energy into the team. And I thought, like you said, Chelsea Chelsea seemed to be playing to the level of their opponent yeah. recently. And they stepped up to a challenge, I thought, in the first half against City. I've slandered Stamford Bridge in the past, and they weren't, you know like Anfield, yeah. but they did get up for the occasion. They were loud and raucous yeah. in the first half. But I think City definitely came into the game more. Uh, in the first half, I know that Guardiola deployed Yao Cancelo off on the right, and honestly, Cucurella was dealing with them pretty well. And I think Guardiola said after the game that he didn't get his tactics right in the first half. He made two changes, brought on Akanji and Rico Lewis for... Walker and Yao Cancelo took off Yao Cancelo at halftime, put Rico Lewis out on the right, 
moved Rodri up more into midfield where as in the first half Rodri was kind of like a center back slash like defensive yeah. mid kind of floating in there giving a bit more you know onus to push forward and they grew into the game they still hadn't gotten the goal and then of course came the double substitution Mares and Grealish on and of course they combined for the goal so I think this is a reminder that City have the depth yeah they have the depth of title contenders and Arsenal just don't. I mean, listen, Arsenal were playing against the best defensive side in the league, but they made one substitution. I think it was to bring on Tomiyasu. They didn't have any yeah. offensive, yeah. you know, they didn't have any aces in the hole to bring on. And I think that could be what ends up being the difference if Arsenal ultimately lose out to City, just because, again, we're getting into the festive fixtures, you know, into the winter months. We got, you know, Arsenal will be hoping they're making runs in the FA Cup and in Europa League when their squad is going to be stretched thin. And they just don't have the depth to compete yeah. with City. And Jesus has already gone down. Who knows who else could go down? Yeah. So we'll have to see. But City proved that they're very, very much in this title race. That's the thing every year that makes me put Manchester City above everyone. Obviously, their first 11 is uh, among the best in the world, but mm. it's the fact that when they were dueling with Liverpool, you know, in prior years, Liverpool, you know, would lose Van Dyke for three months, and then Man City would lose De Bruyne, and uh, he's what a player De Bruyne is, but then their midfield is now Foden, Gundogan, and Rodri. That's still the best midfield yeah. in the Premier League. Like, it's that's the reason that I favor them so much in you know thirty eight game seasons is because they can withstand just so much. And you look at Chelsea, a lot of injuries, sitting ninth, tenth. City, not a lot of injuries. I mean, Calvin Phillips, but like, it, that's nothing. Yeah. But who are they competing with? Arsenal, not a lot of injuries. Arsenal's competing because their first 11 is very good. If Arsenal had, if everyone had the same amount of injuries, say, you know, lost a couple top players here and there, City would be seven points clear and Arsenal would be sitting behind because it's just a lighter year for Arsenal, I think. And that's not to take away from what Arsenal's done. Arsenal have been brilliant. But you can tell that City are just, and you said with the substitutions, even when everybody's healthy, you know, Arsenal just, couldn't bring anybody on because yeah. they don't have those guys. I think Art- Arteta knows this, and again, he's starting to build his own squad a little bit. He's still, you know, what two and a half years. He's still working with a lot of Unai Emery signings, but um, it there will come a point when, hopefully, as an Arsenal fan, I'm optimistic that the Arsenal squad will mimic that of City. But again, Pep Guardiola is just going after everyone, yeah. <laughs> everything, and everyone at all times, and he you know, probably has the biggest wallet in the league when it comes to, um, you know, ability to spend. So I don't know if anybody could really keep up with their squad strength, but while other teams are still healthy, that's kind of... Long story short, City thrive when everybody gets injured, including yeah. their own team. You know, they'd rather have everybody in the league get injured than everybody stay healthy. Yeah. Um, as crazy as that sounds. But we will wrap up our Match Week 19 content with... um. Some of the out-of-town scores from this week, starting off with, uh, I believe we mentioned it on the last podcast a little bit, but uh, Brentford 3, 
Liverpool won. It certainly deserves mentioning again yeah. because uh, this was, you know, very, very convincing performance from Brentford at home. Can't say too much. Uh, we said a lot about him in the last podcast, but again, the just flying right now and yeah. very nice to see. Leicester nil, Fulham won. This is this is a tough one to take for a Leicester City team that is tanking and we talked about Brendan Rodgers' hot seat on the last podcast, certainly not cooling down anytime soon. Uh, they could use James Madison back as that spark ASAP because, yeah. again, shut out at home to, to Fulham. Just Every Leicester it, fan will be wanting to <laughs> donate their ankles to that man. <laughs> yeah, it was um, just a tough one to watch for a Leicester City fan. And I don't really know if I see a way out of this slump if not for a new manager right now, or a James Madison return. I don't even know if a James Madison return is, go- is going to provide the revival they need at this point, but uh, only time will tell when it comes to that. Uh, Manchester United 3, Bournemouth nil. a continuation of some very nice form from Manchester United recently. Marcus Rashford getting on the score sheet yet again. Um, not much more you can say. They're just on form, and this is what on-form teams do. They beat Bournemouth 3-0 at home. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Southampton nil, Nottingham Forest won. This one is look away because the Southampton team that's sitting dead last playing a Nottingham Forest team where they're fiercely competing with for, uh, you know, relegation. A must win game for both of these teams, but a must not lose. A must not lose is a better way to put it, but there's definitely more pressure on the more underperforming team, which was of course Southampton and they swung and missed. Yep. Uh, you can't, you simply can't lose to Nottingham Forest at home. And Nottingham Forest are probably a better team right now, but you just can't. Like, you just do whatever you need to do to get this team riled up uh, to not lose, and they did, and this is pretty damning for them, unfortunately. Leeds United 2, West Ham 2. Pretty exciting game. Yeah. Uh, points shared. Um, But, you know, uh, indicative of the way these two teams have been playing this year, you know, Scoring goals, letting in goals, not really doing enough to take three points, but taking enough points to not get relegated, I guess. Uh, just if I had to look at this game before and gun to my head, I would probably say draw, and that's kind of how it worked. Yeah, both these teams could really use three points, but I'm sure they'll both take a point. I mean, West Ham, one point from the last six. Yep. So. <laughs> Uh, Aston Villa won, Wolves won. I I thought that like kind of an Aston Villa team coming off a pretty, you know, morale boosting win against Tottenham Hotspur would probably take three points at home against Wolves. Didn't work out like that for them, unfortunately. They, I guess, kind of a little bit of a hangover from that game. Uh, one one favors Wolves certainly. Um. I guess you could say it's a nice point for Wolves. I, I can't don't know if they could be asking to take all three from uh, Villa Park, but again, a new Niamry team that's on better form should probably be taking three points in this game. Not how it worked. And finally, Crystal Palace nil, Tottenham four. Maybe the worst four nil win in history <laughs> as far as four nil wins go. Yeah. Uh, they certainly, I mean, Harry Kane does that for you he gets two chance two half chances and scores two goals like that's yep. that's just what he's done for years and you have to give him all the credit in the world for that he is a fabulous striker um but they just looked like poop for a while in this game and didn't get punished as they haven't really gotten punished so far this season 
and made the most of the chances when they got him. This team is built to win games for nothing and not look like they should win them for nothing, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I guess credit to Conte for some something. I, I'm sure he deserves something, some credit for this game for pissing off every other fan in the league. Credit to him for that, I guess. Uh, but again, I if you ask Tottenham fans, they'll be like, "Wow." Four nothing is great, but I I'd rather them win one nothing and look a little better than this. Yeah. To be completely honest, um, and that will round out all the matches from match week nineteen. We will now get into some match week twenty content. Starting off with our goal picks, and if you're new to the t- two man wall podcast, goal picks go like this: it's another season long competition between me and Ethan, where every week we look at the upcoming fixtures for the next match week, and we choose three players that we think are going to score goals the catch is is that the other player can block three players from the other player picking some a little bit over that but to give you an example if i think rashford's going to score this week i'm going to say rashford's going to score this week if ethan thinks that i think that rashford's going to score this week he'll block rashford and i'll say i want rashford trossard and gabriel martinelli ethan says can't have rashford because i blocked holland rashford and kane because he thought that I would pick one of those three and he didn't want me to have any of those. Sound good? Yep. All right. What do you like to pick first? Do you want me to pick first? I will pick first, but not before giving an update on last week's sure. goal picks. Which, there were three goals between us. Two for me, one for Brayden, all courtesy of Spurs players. <laughs> I had Harry Kane amongst my goal picks and he scored a brace at Selhurst Park. And Son also chipped in with one very late on to put a fourth in against Crystal Palace. So one for Brayden, two for me. That brings the total tally this season to 14 goals for me and nine for Brayden. All right. We got, we got some ground to make up. But again, this it's very close. These things can change very quickly. Uh, two guys that I pick get braces. Yours get nothing. I'm bad. I'm, we're almost tied. So I'm more, certainly more optimistic about this one than I am about the uh, uh, worst team wins draft. But anyways, would you like to hit me with your picks? I would. So my first pick, I might as well just jump right into it. It's Erling Holland. Right. I think... I'm not sure if you've just defaulted to just throwing in Holland as one of your picks every week, but he's going up against United at Old Trafford. It's for anybody else, it would not be a favorable matchup, but it's Holland. So I think if I had just a chance to slip in Holland one week, then Holland has never been a matchup that wasn't favorable. <laughs> yeah. to be fair. So I mean, he scored three times <laughs> against United last time yeah. out. So maybe I don't know. I I wouldn't be able to live with myself if. <laughs> if I just didn't find out. And my second pick is going to be Karuma Toma. Mm. Uh, he has a matchup this week at home against Liverpool. And one of the many, many fantastic fixtures coming up this weekend. Yeah. Um, but Liverpool are conceding goals like crazy right now. I can almost guarantee one or two are going to go in. And at the moment, when if Brighton are scoring, it seems as though Matoma is among the scorers. So, Matoma is my second goal pick for this week. And my third is Kai Havertz. Okay. I, there's a bit of, you know, logic to this because Chelsea are playing actually twice before I see. our next podcast. They do have, they play Fulham on Thursday and then on Sunday they'll play again against Crystal Palace. 
So, two games. Maybe Havertz, you know, manages to bag one. I don't think he's injured. Although, <laughs> I probably should check beforehand. Well, he has to be injured if the other two are healthy. <laughs> it's true. We'll see. But I guess I have to stick with it now. <laughs> but anyway, those are my three picks. I know you didn't pick Havertz, so did you get any of the other two? I did get Holland. Oh, because <laughs> I have defaulted to making Holland because I just, I can't let him slip anymore. I got to play it safe. I can't. I can't let this lead get any larger than it already is. But you can't have Holland, but you can't have Matoma, and you can't have Kai Havertz, obviously. I'm willing to give you a double uh, <laughs> double points on Kai Havertz, so I'm sure as hell he's not scoring. But I will get into my picks now. And the first one I'm going with is a man by the name of Mislav Orsic. Oh, okay. <laughs> the new Southampton signing, going up against Everton this week, who just conceded four goals at home. Uh, I think that he should slip into the starting lineup because they need some kind of spark. He, it's a very good chance he's, he will come off the bench. Um, but I'm willing to take a gamble. Well, he does have a bit of time. I mean, he's got till he's got a week. So I, I, I don't know. It, it depends on the manager. I think some managers are reluctant to throw mm-hmm. January signings just straight into the team because, you know, there are players that have earned their spot. I don't know who's really earned their spot right now in this yeah. Southampton team besides James Ward-Prowse. But, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully he gets a start for me, but I think he'll, he'll come and provide a little bit of a spark and get his goal. All right. Uh, second is Joel Linton, because he, he, he was on the score sheet, I believe, a couple weeks ago. But uh, I think this matchup he's got this week, Fulham. Uh, Fulham likes to play interesting contests. A lot of goals there. I, I just like Joel Linton this week. Uh, I'm throwing around names that I think, A, you're not going to pick because I'm sick and tired of you blocking my picks. Uh, and two, a little bit of a scoring touch. I, I didn't really believe in Callum Wilson this week, so I'm going to go with Jillington. And third, I'm going to go with Harry Kane, because I'm just going to slip in a Harry Kane, just hoping I can get one, because he's pretty on form right now. Can I have him? You can't have Kane. <laughs> can? Cannot. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's fine. Yeah. North London Derby, Harry Kane. I wasn't going to allow that. Yep. <laughs> I, I was very, I was very close to picking him, but I just didn't want uh, any sort of conflict of interest. Yeah. I wanted to fully be able to root against. But, yeah, I kind of wanted to see if I could get the free goal there, the free penalty, the shot. free penalty. But <laughs> unfortunately, you cannot. But you will be able to have whoever starting for at up top for Crystal Palace as of late. I knew beforehand I was Lisa? trying to. Well, he doesn't start up front. I was trying to see who started against uh, Tottenham for them. Maybe Ayu. Mm. Ed, uh, Edward, I don't know. It's Jordan Ayew. So you can have Jordan Ayew this sure. week going up against Chelsea. So You can have uh, Skamaka against Wolves. All right. There you go. And now we will get into some pretty tasty Match Week 20 predictions. Two derbies, two of the premium derbies yeah. for the entire Premier League season. Starting off with Manchester United hosting Manchester City. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, United have been flying lately, obviously. I think it's seven wins in a row for them. Haven't not won since coming back from the World Cup break. And they've beaten every big six side who's come to Old Trafford this season. Arsenal, Liverpool, and Tottenham. And now they're bringing Man City to Old Trafford. It's going to be bouncing yeah. the place. Absolutely. Yep. It's a very difficult atmosphere to play in, especially this season. 
And like I said, United have been in like title contention form. And if they win yeah. their next two games, they will be in the title race. But that is a big if because they do have City and Arsenal yes. in their next If they two. beat Arsenal, they will be in the title race. Yeah. And so will City. And mm-hmm. City is in the title race, but it'll be game on at that point. And City, on the other hand, have not been their usual ruthless selves. A 1-1 draw at home to Everton. They squeaked by Chelsea after a couple of tactical changes throughout the game from Guardiola. So there's not a lot, other than the fact that it's just City and they have so much quality, there's not, form would suggest that United have the edge on this one. And that's why I'm going with United, 2-1. All right. I don't even think that's too much of a bold prediction because the way United have played at home this yeah. year, it's and the form the combined with the form they're on. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with two two. I two uh, one just seems like a a weird scoreline because, uh, what happens? City goes up one nothing. I don't really see City going up one nothing in this game. I think United is gonna score the first goal. If it's two nothing, then it means that United are gonna go up one nothing. If they go up two nothing and City score a goal. I don't think that United's defense is strong enough right now to protect against a Man-, Man City team that just scored a goal and has Holland and has momentum. It's going to be pressing them for like the last 30 minutes of the game. So I think it's going to be 2 2. Um, I could see, I could obviously see this team winning 1 0, 2 0, something like that. I don't know if they're going to shut out Man City. So that's why I'm going 2 2. I think that. It's just going to be a crazy, crazy game. Like, Foden, Stunner, like, Rashford will probably get on the score sheet. He's, he's been pretty on form recently. Um, maybe Bruno, free kick, something like that. Some, so, I think there's going to be one goal in this game that's going to be an absolute stunner. But, all right. in the end, I think it's going to end all square. And then, the second derby of the weekend. Spurs hosting our league leaders, Arsenal. What do you got? Well, Tottenham are not losing right now, and I think that's about the best I can <laughs> say for them. They a uh, seeming on paper a convincing yeah four nothing route of Crystal Palace, but it doesn't tell the whole story. They were shambolic in yeah. the first half, and most teams in nine times out of ten they get punished and go a goal down in yeah. that game, and who knows where it goes from there. Yeah. To their credit, yeah. You know, they did get the first goal, and yeah. it was cake from there. And then they squeezed by Portsmouth in the FA Cup this morning. So they're winning games, but again, that's the most you can say for them. They've not impressed. And the way they're playing just plays right into Arsenal's hands. They've started games terribly, and Arsenal start every game on fire. Yeah, This seems destined for them to go down a goal in this game as much as any other matchup. And I don't see Arsenal laying them back into the game like a lot of teams do. I know Arsenal didn't get the win against Newcastle, but I thought they still played pretty well against just such a difficult team to break down. So I have Arsenal winning by the same scoreline they won the first derby this season, 3-1. to one. I... It's impossible to take in any environmental factors when it comes to North London Derby, as I've learned from watching, you know, dozens and dozens of North London Derbies yeah. in the past. It's just, you can't take form, you can't take 
you know, player form, team form, time of the season, and you can't take any of that into account because, you know, last season, Arsenal were in, you know, do or die mode when it came to the North London Derby at the end of last season and they got their ass whooped. Like, these games have to be taken as completely isolated fixtures. That being said, I don't think this Spurs team is strong. It's plain and simple, they're playing bad soccer again. You can't really take form into it, but they're just Kane's going to get his opportunities to score. I I I do think the way Arsenal's playing right now, they come out of the gate very hot. I think they could. This could end up being like one of those, you know, like free kick Gabriel. Mal- Malgarejas, but I, I, he's been on the team for three years. I still can't say his name. Yeah, don't bother. Um, like free kick goals or something like that in like the 13th minute. And then it's kind of just like teams trading, you know, golden opportunities back and forth. And it ends one nothing. I'm going to say one nothing Arsenal. An optimistic one nothing Arsenal. And for our closing segment this week, we got a little game for ourselves today. A little bit of a guess who. In honor of the January transfer window, this guess who is going to go as follows. First, we'll be asking each other. We each have players in mind that we'll be asking, but the clues we'll be giving will start out like this. We'll be giving, these are all January signings in coming into Premier League clubs. We'll be giving the fee, the league they came from, and the club in the Premier League that they went to. You'll have a preliminary guess. And then let's say I'm saying to Ethan, 20 million from the Bundesliga to Manchester City. Ethan will say, name of soccer player. Let's say it's wrong. Then I'll give him another clue. That clue will be the year that they were bought, 2018. I don't know why it took me so long to come up with a year. Uh... Ethan says a name of another soccer player. It's wrong. Then I'll give him a final clue. That will be the club they came from, from that league. If he guesses a right or wrong. However, the goal is to get in as, as little hints as possible. Pretty straightforward. Let's get started. Would you like to guess first, Ethan? Sure. Yeah, I'll guess, I'll guess one of yours first. Sure. Your first player costs 30 million pounds. 30 million pounds. Remember the unit. 30 million, 30 million pounds from La Liga to Tottenham Hotspur. Is it Lo Celso? Giovanni Lo Celso. <laughs> Great start for Ethan. Uh, when I wrote this, I'm like, I don't know how many players Spurs have bought from La Liga. However, I'll throw it in there because I don't know if he knows if it was a January signing or not. I think it was the confirmation of a loan, I'll say. The, the, he, he was loaned and then confirmed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't necessarily – it was also pretty recently, 2020. Um, so it wasn't like a layup to start, but I wanted to, you know, get the juices yeah. flowing a little bit. All right. Your first one. The player coming from La Liga mm-hmm. going to Manchester City sure. for a fee of $57 million. I'm Eric Laporte. That is correct. <laughs> right. Because I have a couple down here and he was one of them, unfortunately. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I won't take full credit for that. But I think I may have been able to deduce that because mm-hmm. if I went through La Liga, La Liga, La Liga, I knew Laporte was a, was a winter signing. So I think I may have been able to deduce that. But I'm not going to take 100% credit for that one. Your second player. 18 million pounds from the Premier League to Chelsea. 
18 million pounds from the Premier League to Chelsea. So from within the Premier Inter League. League. Yeah. Can I get the year? Take a guess first. See, now I won't be able to think of any, any <laughs> players going from. Oh, actually. Is it Giroud? It's Giroud. Well done. <laughs> uh, Olivier Giroud was transferred 18 million pounds from Arsenal to Chelsea in 2018. Well nice. done. I, I knew you'd come across it. Um, all right. Go ahead. Okay. Four fee of 11.5 million pounds from the Serie A to Liverpool. 11 million pounds from the Serie A to Liverpool. All right. I'm going to throw a guess out there because I might need the year. Uh, one million pounds. I feel like Emery Chan from Syria, but I could be completely wrong on that. No, he's in. I think because he went to Juventus. Um, let me throw a guess. Syria, eleven million pounds. Nothing crazy, but they don't spend that much on transfers. They haven't at least since before you know recently on Darwin Nunez. All right, I'm forfeiting my guess for the year. Yeah, the year may be helpful here. It's 2013. Oh, boy. Okay. 2013, Liverpool. Wow, that was a shambles. 2013, that was like... That was that was like before Suarez. No, that was like during Suarez, actually. That was like the Joe Allen days. Suarez came from... From Syria to Liverpool. 11 and a half, you said? Eleven and a half million pounds. Pepe Reina? It is not. Okay. It's a good guess though. So now the club they came from? Yeah. Inter Milan. Oh man. I feel like this is one of those where either you know or you don't. We'll see. Maybe you I can think do I some do, to be honest. Auction. See, this is before my, my FIFA days, so I, I, my, my database doesn't even go back this far, to be completely honest. Oh, he, Inter Milan, 2013. Hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give up. What, who is it? It's Felipe Coutinho. See, I didn't realize he came from uh, Syria. Well, who, he, came from, he came from Inter, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I I don't think I knew that to be completely honest that he came really? from Inter. I I thought honestly I thought he was I didn't realize it was 2013. I thought it was a little more recent than that to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, I guess he he didn't really get his breakthrough until mm-hmm. you know a little bit later. But yeah, well, interesting. This is a good one. Twenty million pounds from the Premier League to Everton. Is it Connor Cody? It's not Connor Cody. The year was 2018. 2018. 20 million pounds, everything from within the Premier League. Oh, is it Abdullah Decore? Oh, no, no, no. That, it's not. It can't be him. I mean, that's already my guess, but. Yeah, it's not Abdullah Decore. Yeah, no, that would have been way too. He was definitely still in Watford then. All right, so the club he from? came from was Arsenal. 
20 million pounds from Arsenal to Everton in 2018. I mean, the only one I can think of is Awobi, but I'm pretty sure Awobi was in the summer and way more than that, so it has to be somebody else. Oh, uh, Walcott? Yeah, Walcott. Well done. 20 million pounds from Arsenal to Everton in 2018 during the summer. Part of their, you know, shedding of a couple of club legends from then. I believe Aaron Ramsey was dealt at some point in that in that range. Uh, last but not least, Ethan, what do you got for me? All right. For a fee of 40 million mm. from the League One or League One. Legal. Legal. <laughs> so Leicester City. Forty million. Thinking legal into to Leicester City. And thinking goal content, he was not that much. Uh ooh. Is it Slomani? It is not Slomani. Okay. I think Slomani was in in Legon. Maybe he was in Turkish League. The year was twenty nineteen. That's a lot of fucking money for Leicester City. 40 million pounds. Forty million pounds from in twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. From Legon to Leicester City. Oof. I feel like this it should have come to me by now. Forty million pounds is a lot, and they don't make that many formula signings that might be the record signing at the time. Probably was. I think of like a, a Vardy replacement. That's why I said Slomani at first. Oh man, I, you're gonna have to give me the club. Club is Monaco. Okay, that's what I know. Oh, Tillman's. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I skipped over center mid. I went from from yeah. defense to striker, and I, I don't know. All I right. Think yeah. Slomani may have also come from Monaco, but yeah. definitely way yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, And or maybe he went to Monaco afterwards. Anyway, yeah. All right. But Yuri Tielemans. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I'm disappointed, Coutinho. I think I should just thrown it out there just because, like, I don't know how many players you know from Liverpool 2013. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah, obviously I wasn't going to pick, like, Alberto Moreno. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. <laughs> I knew it was an old one, but I thought since he was you know, a high-profile player, yeah. maybe. And with that, we'll round out our podcast this week. Match Week 20's got some absolutely mouth-watering fixtures, and we're going to try to drink in as much of that. Although I'll be traveling. I'll be trying to drink in as much of that as I possibly can. And with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.